This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. The majority of my clients now actually come from Facebook ads, believe it or not, which I never thought I would do that. About a year and a half ago, I outsourced some digital marketing to a company and it has paid off immensely. I would do it again in a heartbeat. At the time, you know, it was an investment and I thought, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money. Am I going to get my return on this? But I absolutely did. So I, I get new leads every day. In fact, I have two new clients to call back after our call. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Angie Lewis, and she is yet another amazing example of a photographer who's left a job that she was totally burned out with so that she could start her own business. Angie talks about a marketing strategy that we really haven't talked much about during any other episode so far, <laughs> and I have to admit that after interviewing her, I ended up hiring someone to help me with my own advertising on social media, and I'm so excited about it. So Angie is a self-proclaimed numbers person when it comes to her business, and this has actually really helped her just to be comfortable with what she charges for her photos, and I have a feeling that hearing why this works for her might also help you to be comfortable with your own pricing. You can hear this plus so much more on today's episode with Angie Lewis. Hi, Angie. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, other than the four inches of snow we got last night in April, it's yeah, right? <laughs> everything's wonderful. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Definitely crazy. Where are you at right now? I am in Houston, little suburb of Houston. Houston. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Okay. And that's where your studio is, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing it's quite a bit warmer there than it is here. Oh, yeah. It's t-shirt and shorts <laughs> weather. I won't rub it in. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. Hopefully we'll get there soon. Okay, so I'm excited to tell your story today, or for you to tell us your story. I think you have such an interesting journey of of how you ended up as a photographer. And I think people love hearing someone who has been able to transition from a career that they don't want to do anymore, because I think there are so many people out there who are in that position. So I think this will be really great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so prior to photography. I know that you were in HR, you know, in the whole corporate world. So I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about that and what you used to do 
And then just, you know, how you ended up falling into the whole photography world. Sure, absolutely. So I spent 16 years in corporate America as an HR recruiter for a professional employer organization. And um, I, you know, really loved it. I, I was good at it. It taught me a lot about business. I interacted with a lot of different types of individuals from candidates and small business owners and hiring managers. But, you know, it really just wasn't my passion at the end of the day. And, and that's when I decided in 2016 that I wanted to really follow my dreams and start my own business full time. So obviously human resources, you're dealing with people. I mean, it's such a, a it's almost like a service-based type thing, even though it's not your own business or whatever, but you have to build those relationships and make sure people are taken care of. Does that sound right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're selling candidates to companies and companies to candidates, you're selling people and it's an intangible. So relationship building was critical to being successful in that. I'm curious, has being an HR manager, has that helped connecting with your clients and starting a business and everything? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I think it's actually been a real blessing to have coming into you know, my photography career because I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and talk to people. I'm not afraid to ask questions. And you're dealing, you're dealing with different types of people, different personalities, and you have to learn how to mirror that, I think, to be really successful. So that's something you know I've been able to do when I'm talking to new leads for my business and you know interacting with clients, and especially in the sales room. You know that's a really important skill set to have. So I definitely learned a lot about that in my recruiting career. And it's funny that you say that. Oh, you know I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and talk to people. I'm not a phone person. I don't know why. It's like I get nervous to make the phone mm-hmm. call. I get nervous when I know it's a potential client calling. And it's so strange. It's just such a strange thing because it's just a person. You know, it's just a person on the right, other exactly. end. Yeah. And a lot of people feel that way. Like in our Sue Bryce Education Facebook group, a lot of people will say that, that they don't like being on the phone. And so the fact that you have that skill set, it doesn't intimidate you. You have no problem. I think that's a really cool skill to have when you're starting a business like this that's so customer service oriented. You know, every time I talk to a candidate or not candidate, listen to me, I'm coming back into HR mode. Anytime (laughs) I talk to a new uh, lead for my business, you know, it really is just a conversation. And sales is really finding out what their problem is and then providing them the solution for that problem. So it's really that simple. But yeah, I like that discovery process with my clients and finding out more about them and why they want to have a portrait made or why they're looking for headshots. And when you make those connections, it really just helps the rest of that process because not only can you then capture what they really want and what's important to them, but when it comes to actually showing them the images and then making the sale, it's just a no-brainer at that point. I love that you said that. It's just a conversation. When you put it that way, it's like, oh, what are we so afraid of? You know, what do we think they're going to say to us when we ask them when's the last time they've had their photo done or what are they interested in? What type of photo are they interested in doing? And it's just a conversation. I Mm -hmm. love that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. I was just going to mention too, one thing that I have found that's really helpful in really asking the right questions when you're on that discovery call with a new client is really just having some notes prepared. And I'm used to that, you know, in my recruiting career, typing notes as I'm talking to them. And I'll even laugh when I'm on the phone with a new lead and I'll say, you know what, I'm just taking some copious notes here. If you hear me typing in the background, that's why. And I think people really like that because they know you're paying attention to them. But having those notes, those questions prepared, 
in advance kind of helps you guide through that conversation so that you're asking the right questions and capturing the right information through that call. Um, so that's a, a tip I always share with people when they ask me or people make comments, oh, you're not, you know, you're not afraid to talk with clients. Why? And I said, well, I just have my questions prepared and it helps you flow through it quite a bit easier. I love that. I'm so glad you shared that. And like you said, I think not only is does it make them feel like you're listening, that you're taking notes, but it makes me feel better when I have the questions in front of me so I'm not freezing up or mm-hmm. feeling nervous or whatever. I can just refer to my question list right, and just have it ready to go because it's not like they can see you. They can't see me like looking at my notes, you right. know? Exactly. And that way you don't miss a critical question that you might really need to ask them. And then also, you know, I think the process is just making it sound like a conversation because the last thing you want is for it to sound like you're filling out a form. You know, like I said, it's just a conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so I'm glad we talked about that. And I want to hear more too about how you do that in the sales room. But but before Mm -hmm. we get to that point, let's talk a little bit just about so okay, 2013. Or was it 2016 you said that you decided you were done? 2016? 2016 is when I officially resigned, yes. Okay, so when did you start shooting and charging, and at what point was that? That was in 2013. I was still working full-time as a recruiter, but I'd studied art and graphic design and photography in college. That was actually my major, was graphic design and communication design, and I'd always had an affinity for it, and so... I uh, had a really nice camera that I purchased probably in 2012. And when I realized, gosh, people wanted me to to photograph different events and things, then I started part-time at that point. Okay, so were you charging or was it just practice or? I was, you know, it was shoot and burn prices. I think a lot of us do that initially because we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, so it was definitely just giving everything away for $400. I go, you know, want to go back in time and throat punch myself and say, what were you thinking? But, you know, <laughs> you win or you learn, right? Oh, yeah. It's funny because almost every guest that we've had on has said that I started as a shoot and burn photographer. And it's like, man, I hope people who are starting now who are listening and maybe who are investing in the SBE education or whatever can realize that you don't have to start at a point where you're like just working so hard for pennies on the hour that it doesn't have to be that way. Yes, of course, you have to have a beautiful portfolio and you have to have the skills and, you know, things set up, but you don't have to come out the gate not making anything, really. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So here you are, you're shooting, you know, shoot and burn. And did you feel like you were making enough money at that point to quit your HR job or what, what happened then? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> that was definitely not a sustainable income by any means. It was really more of a hobby and, and it was evolving into a business. I, I was starting to learn from people and I was always the kind of person, you know, in, in school, I wanted to find the smartest person in class and befriend them and then, you know, challenge myself. So I was really, I didn't realize I was doing that at the time, but that's really what I was doing with my business. And around 2016, shortly after I resigned, is when I found Superice Education through a friend. So I was really building my business and, and finding those foundations along the way, but doing it very blindly because I didn't know what I was doing. When I found Superice Education, you know, that really catapulted things for me. How? How so? What value did it add to you? I think it put a lot of things into focus for me, things that I wasn't thinking about in terms of 
what to charge and really how to run through a sales process. So everything was a little blurry before and things started coming into focus that gave me that foundation to really build on. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that so much because finding a business model for me and following a business model that actually works, that I don't have to create from scratch is I was in the same boat. Like, I don't know what to charge or what to do. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know what I was doing. And to find a model that is already all put into place and you just have to follow the steps and of course, tweak it to make it your own. I mean, we all want to be, you know, individuals and whatever, but I love how you said that. It was a little bit fuzzy. You weren't sure. It's just like all these moving parts and to be able to bring it all together, I think is so helpful for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know that there are successful portrait studios out there. You just don't know the formula or the recipe to get to that. And I think that's where finding you know Sue's platform was so helpful because it was just, it was the recipe, if you will, for putting it all together. Right, right. Now, when you decided to resign, did you have a partner or spouse, like another income to help? Or like, did you need to make a certain amount of money? You know, what was, if you don't mind my asking, I know that's kind of a personal question, but sure, not at mine at all. You know, the financial situation. Yeah, absolutely. So now I'm very fortunate. You know, my husband has a good job. He's self employed as well. Yeah, he has a great job. So it wasn't as if I was walking into something that was really dangerous in terms of our finances. It was actually, yeah, a really great opportunity to just supplement that. And then ironically, now my salary is taking over what my husband's making. So really, the tables have turned a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Look at that. That's pretty cool. What does he think about that? <laughs> oh, he loves it. <laughs> he loves yeah, oh, it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So because you're both self-employed, was there like, my husband and I are both self-employed too, and we have, mm -hmm. you know, the health insurance issue and just, you know, there's things that can come along with self-employment that I think deter people from taking that leap. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. what has that experience been for you with you both being self-employed now? Well, you know, the irony was in my corporate job, I had amazing benefits, health you know, insurance benefits. So that was a little bit scary going into a self-employment situation where we didn't have anything. So that was one of the biggest first steps was, okay, we have to secure a health insurance plan. And, you know, it's of course not cheap at all, but you have to have it. So that was kind of a big hurdle to overcome. But again, I think that's also incentive to make everything work because you know that that is a liability that you have to cover. Mm -hmm. It's true. We actually talked about this on a different episode being self-employed with health insurance, it seems so intimidating to people. But if you really break it down and just add it into a cost of doing business, health insurance, dental insurance, business insurance, all of those things, if you just roll it into part of your budget, it becomes not quite as scary. It's like, okay, this is how much it's going to be each month and that's okay. And I roll it into my business expenses. Like, I don't know why it really paralyzes people. I think it's because it can be intimidating. Again, you don't know what you don't know. And it's a little scary thinking that that might rest all on your shoulders. But it's like anything else. You seek out an expert who can give you the information. You make the best decision that you can based on the information that you have. And the other part of it is your health insurance is a taxable. It's expensable on your taxes. So a lot of people don't realize that either. So yeah, you might be paying a lot for it, but you're also able to claim that on your taxes. That's such a good point. It, absolutely a huge write-off at the end mm -hmm. of the year, and it helps a lot. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Okay, so here you are. You're 
quitting your HR job and how are you getting clients? Do you have a good portfolio? Do you have a studio? Like all that good stuff. So, you know, I have a home studio now that I kind of really converted from a game room in our home. So I was starting to use that for indoor sessions, which at the time I wasn't shooting any studio light. So I was totally relying on the natural light coming in the window. I was doing outdoor locations, outdoor location shoots. Yeah, as far as obtaining clients, I was just using my network of people. I'm a natural networker. I think being in recruiting, it's just something that you learn. And so that was the biggest way I was getting clients at that point was just leveraging the people that I already knew and getting a few referrals off of things like that. And of course, I tried some silly things like Thumbtack and some really, really cheap marketing mm-hmm. I tools remember that Thumbtack. didn't pay off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, course, I did the yeah. same thing. That's funny. Yeah, and you, you, were, you were getting people that wanted everything for, you know, $200. So again, you, know, you have to think about where you want to fish for your candidate or for your candidates, for your, your clients. But yeah, I was just leveraging my network of people and, and building that portfolio at that time too. Now, what type of shoots are you doing the most of at this point? So I know you mentioned headshots. What else have you been doing? Yeah, so I primarily focus on families, high school seniors, and also then personal branding and headshots. So those three genres are, are the biggest that I shoot. Okay, gotcha. And then as far as what to charge, how did you decide, okay, this is going to be my pricing and did you do packages or a la carte? So what what did that look like? Sure. So I've tried a little bit of everything. You know, I shoot and burn, you kind of just lump it all on one fee and then go from that, which clearly wasn't going to be sustainable. I just tried a few different things. And then as I started to learn more about running a small business, I was looking at a lot of different resources on how to really calculate your cost of doing business. So adding up all of those hard costs, figuring out, okay, how many weeks a year do I want to work? How many clients a week do I want to shoot? And then really breaking those numbers down at that point to say, okay, here's an average sale that I need to make to make this work. And then building my pricing to obtain that you know, at every sale. Do you mind sharing what your average sale is now? Sure, I don't mind at all. So for families, it can be anywhere between four thousand to eight thousand, and 4, then four thousand to eight thousand. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, if you price yourself for that, you can make it right. So I really incentivize things. I have you know I use Graphy as my print partner, and they have beautiful albums and canvases and reveal boxes. And I know they you know obviously partner with Sue as well on things like that for those products. But yeah, my clients just fall in love with those and I you know, have them priced to be profitable. So a lot of my clients don't come in and purchase just one or two prints. They come in and purchase you know, multiple items. Wow, that's great. So you had said that you kind of had to crunch the numbers and decide this is what I need to charge in order to make this sustainable. Did you mm-hmm. find it was easier to charge industry standard pricing or to switch from this shoot and burn model to a model that you're actually making an income that you can live off of? Was it easier to charge the bigger numbers when you broke it down and you knew like, I have to make this per sale in order to survive? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the numbers don't lie. If you're really serious about your business and you know what your costs are, and trust me, I was not the kid in school that was you know the best at math. English and art were my favorite subjects. I was not good at math, but it's simple math. You know, knowing here's how much it costs to run my business a month from everything from your subscriptions to what you're going to pay in education and all the different hard costs that you have, your computer, your equipment, 
yada, yada, yada. Just knowing those costs and then knowing what you want to make, it's just a simple formula to work it backward. And then once you have that target number, you price everything for that. And I know there are photographers out there that charge more than I do. So I'm definitely not the most expensive, but I am in that you know upper echelon for pricing. Right. I love how you just said, and you also have to add in what you want to make. And mm-hmm. I think that's such an important piece that sometimes people miss. Because if someone's doing their cost of goods and they're like, okay, I'm just going to throw out a random number. So if this folio box and prints cost me $100, and they're like, well, how do I charge 500 then? Because that's such a big markup or whatever. But in the end, it is what do you want to make? This is not just about the physical product. This is about your time. Right. This is about your creativity, about your energy. This is the time away from your family. I mean, this is your life, your livelihood. So in my head, I know what I want to make per year. And if I can break that down into I need this many shoots at this sales average and this is what my cost of goods is, and this is what I need to charge. I mean, that to me, it takes the emotion out of it. It takes the, you know, oh, I'm, you know, they're going to think I'm too expensive. It takes it all out of it. And it's like, you know what? This is what I need to make. This is what I charge. Yeah, exactly. And I've heard Sue say, when someone says, oh, you're too expensive, you say, oh, well, thank you. Like, it's a compliment at that point. <laughs> and so I've actually done that. And, and I have clients, and every once in a while, I will have clients that say, oh, I love your work, but I just can't afford it right now. And I'll just simply say, look, I'm here whenever you're ready. I'd love to hear back from you. You just keep that that door open. And I've had clients that have come back and said, I remember you saying that, but I want this so bad. I want to still move forward. So It works. And you're not going to have everyone agree with your prices. And that's okay. You know, you're not McDonald's. You know, you don't want to serve everybody. It's knowing (laughs) what you like to shoot and what your market is. And yeah, just working those numbers to get your pricing where it needs to be. It's, it sounds so simplistic. And I think sometimes people overcomplicate it, but it really can be that simple. Mm -hmm. I love that, that you said that analogy of you're not McDonald's. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. So do you have a, a session fee? And is there a minimum purchase or what does your pricing look like? Sure. So my session fee is $390. And that includes the a pre-session consultation that I do with my clients, either in their home or at my studio, because I want them at that point to see the products. I want them to get to know me a little bit because I really feel like that's where the sale happens. So mm-hmm. that session fee includes that meeting. It includes the photo shoot. It includes hair and makeup because I have a um, really amazing girl on my team who does a phenomenal job with hair and makeup. So that's definitely something that really adds that value to that session fee. And then that also includes a meeting with them after the session for, I call it the reveal and ordering appointment, where we you know look at the images, they make their, their selections and purchases at that point. And then whatever they do purchase, I also hand deliver that to them. So whenever I discuss you know my session fee with a client, I'm always letting them know, here's everything that's involved with that. And that does not include any print products. That's all separate from that. And that's an extra contact point that you're that you're having with your client. When you hand deliver, that's such a big piece of keeping that connection going and keeping you mm-hmm. top of mind for them when they do hear of someone who needs photos. Absolutely. Yeah. And anytime you're, someone invites you into their home, that's a very intimate thing. So a lot of my clients find it you know, being friends as well. So if you're servicing them, you know, and that's the other thing too, kind of going back to pricing, if you're charging a particular price, you have to deliver on that. And something as simple as delivering their products to them can make a big difference. Right. I love just the extra little steps that you take can really set you apart as a high-end 
experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, are you still shooting out of your home at this point? Yes, but not as much. Only maybe 10% of my clients really come to my home studio. I actually, last year, I was able to find a really great co-op studio. And so I've started shooting there. And then about two months ago, my studio partner and I, she's another uh, photographer and a really good friend of mine, we decided that we wanted to really take that studio space over as tenants. So we have that space now to ourselves, and I just love having that separation. My house was becoming quite busy with people coming over for sessions quite a bit, and so I could tell it was there was some tension there. My husband was really wanting our bathroom back and our you know house yeah. back because everything <laughs> is upstairs. You know when they come in, they have to come into the bathroom upstairs, and my studio is upstairs. So it's just kind of nice having that that space back. Yeah, so I've been using the, the I call it my downtown studio because it's really close to downtown Houston, and I think that just sounds really posh. So it's yeah, fun to yeah, say that. I love it. That's <laughs> but, great. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I do most of my sessions at, at the other studio now. Yeah, very cool. When I first started, I had a, my studio at our house too. And I'm not sure what backdrops you use, but I was using, and I still use the four by eight feet mm-hmm. foam core and poly boards, although I stick with foam core now, just to try and not use so much styrofoam for the environment. But yeah. We had to store them somewhere and we were living in a small rental and my husband, he just, he hates clutter. He hates anything mm-hmm. excess and he was so supportive of everything. But I remember him just being like, these backdrops are killing me. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause it's in our space. Yeah. It's like, oh uh. yeah, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. My husband always laughs and says, you're trying to take over the house. So, <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm glad that you have that studio space now. That's, that's awesome. And to share with someone, it sounds like you guys have a great thing going. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's worth worked out really well. We have a calendaring system that we use and we do a lot of creative stuff together too. And her genres are totally different. She shoots maternity and newborn. So we, you know, we learn from each other. It's actually been a really, really great experience. Very cool. Okay. So let's go back to marketing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. How are you getting, I know you said that you use your network and your referral system and whatever, but I feel like sometimes that only goes so far. It's like once you, I mean, obviously referrals can lead to more referrals and more and more people, but I'm curious sure. if that all you're doing or are you doing more than that? Oh, no, I'm doing more than that now. And again, I think through that growing process, you learn that some marketing avenues work and some don't, and some you have to just try and, and experience. But yeah, the majority of my clients now actually come from Facebook ads, believe it or not. So about almost Wait, a year, paid ads? Paid ads, just yes. Paid ads. Okay, paid interesting. Ads. Mm-hmm. Which I never thought I would do that. About a year and a half ago, I outsourced some digital marketing to a company and it has paid off immensely. I would do it again in a heartbeat. At the time, you know, it was an investment and I thought, oh my gosh, this is a lot of money. Am I going to get my return on this? But I absolutely did. So I, I get new leads every day. In fact, I have two new clients to call back after our call today. So, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's great. So yeah. you said you hired this company, but did you just hire them as like a one-time thing? Or is this a consistent thing you're doing every month with them? It was kind of for a three-month period. So what they did is they went in, they revamped my website, they set up my search optimization, they set up Google AdWords for me, and then they also set up the Facebook ads. Hmm. Interesting. I find Facebook ads to be like I want to bang my head against the wall, <laughs> just to be real about it. So the thought of hiring someone and outsourcing it is really appealing to me. Yes. And that's exactly why I did that. I, I tried it on my own, but it, I just 
was overwhelmed. I don't know why, but I was just overwhelmed. Oh, I know why. <laughs> because yeah. it was a very overwhelming. I mean, there are like 16-hour courses you can take on it. And I'm like, if I had to sit in a 16-hour course to learn Facebook mm-hmm. ads, like, no, you couldn't pay me enough to do that. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Now, so they mm-hmm. set it up. They had the Facebook ad set up for you over this three-month period. Are you still using those same ads? They are still running. In fact, sometimes the longer that they run, the better that they can produce for you because it's that whole touch point thing, right? I think someone, and I don't know this, the actual statistic, but I think it's someone has to see something seven or nine times in order for that to, for them to take action on it, right? So it's a touch point. And, and it's funny now because I'll have clients call me and they're like, oh yes, I saw your Facebook ad and I keep seeing that ad and I just knew this was the time I needed to reach out. So they're definitely effective and I can't oh, stress Angie, enough how, this is how to work them. So- This is so exciting to me right now. It's very interesting because I'm like, huh, I feel like this might be a piece to the marketing puzzle that I've missed, you know, Mm -hmm. that I haven't fully taken advantage of. And I I have a feeling there are a lot of other people out there who are in the same boat. Yeah, it's really not as expensive as people think it is. I spend probably $900 a month between my Google AdWords and my Facebook ads, which sounds initially sounds like a lot but when it does you think, sound like a lot if you book one or two clients out of that you've immediately recouped your money so it's a no-brainer and really and again knowing your numbers yeah if, if you look at what your marketing spend should be I think it's around 10 percent or 15 percent so it's yeah definitely in line with that for sure okay so when at first when you said 900 a month I was like what 900 a month like that kind of like jolted me for a second but when you sit what you just said is one shoot makes up for that not even if you have a sales average of 1500 or 2000 or 4000 or or even 900 one shoot a month could make up for the cost of it and then do you know off if you don't know that's off the top of your head but maybe no. just take a guess of how many clients you think you bring in per month because of the Facebook ads you know, I, it's interesting you asked me that because I am tracking that and it really fluctuates per month. If I'm taking an educated guess right now, I would say probably between 10 and 15. Now that's 10 a and mix. 15. Well, no, actually it, more leads come in than that, but ones that actually get booked from that, I would say it's probably between 10 and 13, 10 and 15, because it's not just family sessions. It's also, I get a lot of clients for headshots and personal branding from my Facebook ads as well. Wow. Oh my gosh. This is so exciting to me right now. I'm like, hmm, I need to reevaluate my yeah. budget. And start- <laughs> I can't express it enough. It really is. And if you're comfortable going in and manipulating and you know, doing all of the work to create the analytical side of the Facebook ad, then that's fine. But if not, you know, I highly encourage people to outsource it to someone because it, it just saves you the time and headache and it's worth it, in my opinion. Outsourcing yeah. the things that give you the hugest headache. I mean, obviously, if you're not at a point financially where you can outsource, mm-hmm. you know, there's steps leading up to that. But man, and especially when you think about the return, it's just like for, I outsource my retouching. I think a lot of people do because that gives me a headache and I don't want to be in front of the computer for hours and hours and hours. I'd rather be with my family. Like there are certain things that are not our superpower. Bookkeeping is another one that I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and outsource that. So this, this could really be something that it makes sense to outsource for a lot of people. Absolutely. You have to know your strengths and you can't do everything, especially when you get to a certain point in your business you have to outsource. I think it's inevitable. You'll, you'll kill yourself if you don't. So yeah, so Facebook ads are, are definitely a, a major 
source of client leads for me, but I also am involved with a, a lot of community organizations. I'm a, an ambassador with our local chamber of commerce. I'm involved with a breast cancer awareness group. It's all about establishing relationships and it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but when you establish those relationships, people get to know you. Then when they have photography needs, whether it's headshots or family portraits, they'll come to you, but then the referrals start to build off the back of that as well. So I'm seeing that start to come to fruition now a lot too. I love that you're not putting all of your eggs into one basket. It's not just the Facebook ads. It's not just referral. I mean, you're really putting yourself out there in a lot of ways, it sounds like. Yeah, you have to. You think about it. You can't put all your eggs in one basket because what if that marketing channel dries up? We don't own Facebook, right? Facebook could pull the plug at any day. Totally. What if it shuts down? Exactly. Yeah. So you have to have different marketing channels. And I've tried several with the chamber. You know, sometimes they'll have me shoot an event for something that they're featuring in their magazine. And so they'll give me print space for that. And that really, again, you don't know if it works until you try it. Print advertising does not work for me. I've tried it, but I know that now. So now I know don't put my marketing dollars in print advertising, put it into what really works. I've had the same experience, Angie. I put quite a bit of of money, and this was several years ago. I I learned rather quickly not to do it. Different senior, you know, magazines for senior photos in like the high school magazines and some of these really affluent cities. And I got nothing from it. Back when I did weddings, I did a print magazine for one of this big venue. And it just... I asked myself, like, am I, is my ad not good enough? Like, what's wrong? So hearing mm-hmm. you say that, it kind of like, okay, it makes sense. That yeah. Me, <laughs> you know. yeah, you don't know until you try it. But it's, yeah, it's something. And maybe it does really, you know, other people might do really well with it. So that's not to say not to do it. I just think, like you said, it's finding what works for you. Exactly. You have to know if it works for you. And I think you also have to leave a piece of that pie for some creative marketing as well. And I'll give you a great example. Last week, I have a, we'll back up a couple of minutes. I have a client that I photographed some headshots for, and he owns a real estate firm. He had asked me to come in and they have, every month they have an open mic night where they'll have a speaker come in and talk about something business related for their staff. Well, Now that everyone is at home, they had to do this as a Zoom call. So it was essentially a Zoom happy hour with a lot of the different agents that they have. But he had asked me to do that presentation over Zoom. So it was really just a presentation over the importance of having a strong headshot and and having a strong personal branding presence. I booked three clients off the back of that. So yeah, it wasn't something I initially set out to get clients from. I wanted to do it because, you know, I had a client ask me to do it and I thought, well, it might lead to something. And so it did. So I think just being creative too and finding ways where you can, especially now with everything going on, you know, you don't want to appear tone deaf, but there are ways that we can help clients and then have that come back to us in a positive way as well. Right. That's an important piece too. Yeah. That extra creative marketing and the fact that you, yeah, you jumped on it and you're like, heck yeah, I'll do the Zoom call that, you know, and look at that, look what came out of it. So that's really cool. Yeah, it makes me want to do more. So, and it's a great way to get over your fear of doing presentations if you have that fear. Um, it was a great way to right because yeah, you're not practice. standing up there on stage. It's like a nice intro to. That's great. Very cool. Yeah. So there is something that I know about you personally, just from following you in, in the Facebook group or you know seeing your posts, and you're always just such a positive influence in the group and ask great questions, and you've shared some successes and some other things and. And there were two things that I learned about you. And one was that your husband had cancer. Mm -hmm. And happy to say, obviously, that he is cancer-free now. So that's so wonderful. 
But as a business owner and being self-employed and with him being self-employed and everything, what was that like for you guys going through all of that together? Oh, when it happened, it was, you have to bear with me because it's, obviously it's emotional to talk about it. Of course. But course. <laughs> um, when it happened, it literally is like a nightmare, a real life nightmare coming true. That whole saying, oh, I feel like the rug was pulled out from under my world. That is literally how it feels. There's just that shock that happens where you can't think straight. You don't know what's next. You don't know what's going to happen. And I'm a very, not a controlling person, that doesn't sound right, but I like to be in control <laughs> of things. And so that was a very hard time for me because that was something I could not control. So going through that, which I think we both just were in shell shock for a couple of weeks, but it kind of was a blessing in disguise because it really taught me how to relate to my clients on a deeper level because it put more things in focus, especially with the, the family sessions that I do and the legacy portraits. I just feel like that really helped me to, to truly connect with people and especially people that had gone through their own cancer journey. It's just a club that you become part of that you don't want to have to be in, but you're in it, whether you like that or not. Totally. And it also really helped me my business was the one thing I could control going through that. All these other things were spinning out of control, things I couldn't control, but my business is what I could control. So ironically, I think because I was putting that much more passion and effort into it, that year was one of my best years financially for my business. Wow. So it was kind of, yeah, kind of interesting how that turned out. Yeah. It's like you, you took a, a horrible, scary situation and you were able to somehow get through that adversity and build your business amongst it all. And I think everyone obviously responds to a horrible situation like that differently. Mm -hmm. And I love how you put it where it's like you didn't have control of anything else, but you had control of that. And in a mm -hmm. scary time, it just makes sense. Yeah. And then unfortunately, that repeated in December, I lost my father due to cancer. Unfortunately, it oh, wasn't cancer no. that took him. He had a, a really fatal reaction to immunotherapy treatment, which oh, is very, wow. very rare. But unfortunately, yeah, that happened. And so it was like, oh my gosh, you know, here we go again. But bad things are going to happen in life, whether it's someone in your family getting diagnosed with something as horrible as cancer or your own personal health journey or, you know, things that you can't control. And a lot of people are going through that now with this virus. Right. Spouses are losing their jobs. But I think we have a choice, right? You can wake up because bad things are going to happen to us no matter who we are in life. No matter how much money you have or who you are, bad things are going to happen. You have to just stop and choose the positive. You know, joy is a choice and you can be a victim or you can decide, I'm going to make the best of this. The best of that might be that your business just you know stays afloat or your best might be that you have the most amazing year you've ever had. But it's all about, you know, the choice that you make and what you put into it after that. Right. Absolutely. It is all about the energy in which we move forward with things. It really, truly is. And that's not to say that if someone has a family member who is severely ill, that they can't take a break from their business if that's what they need for their family. Like, of course, like you could go either way with it. Yeah, but absolutely. it doesn't mean that your business has to crumble. It, you know, it doesn't. So exactly. you're a, a good example of that for sure. And the second thing that from paying attention to your posts in our Facebook group and everything is I noticed that you had a really, really great start to the year. Do you want mm -hmm. to share about that? 
Sure. Yeah. So that that was an interesting month because of everything that had happened in December, right? You know, I lost my father December 5th. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to grieve this? How am I going to get through this? And toward, I think it was the last week of the month, everything that I'd been working on in the fall, all of these sessions, you know, where I needed to sit down and do the the reveal and ordering appointments, everything just kind of came together. And I had a lot of new clients coming in and booking, and I wound up having a record-breaking month in January. And I still sit back and I think, wow, like how did that happen? Was that my dad's way of telling me, keep going, you know, don't give up? I don't know. But it, it just really was this beacon of hope through what was probably the worst year of my life. Yeah. Do you mind sharing how much you made in January? Sure. No, I had a, a $25,000 month. Oh, so awesome. That's so yeah, awesome. I still pinch myself thinking, oh my gosh. But yeah, it was it was And some really people think that January has to be a slow month because I think some people come out of the holidays and think that okay, no one's spending money in January, no one is, you know, people don't feel great after like eating all the holiday food and they don't want photos done. But I have to say that January is often a really great month for me as well. And I know for me, I'm not sure which type of sessions. I know you said there were some family sessions and they're involved in whatever, but for personal branding and headshots, a lot of times people are coming out of the gate for this new year. Like, okay, this is going to be the year for revamping my business and redoing my website or whatever it is that people set these target goals for, for themselves for the year. And oftentimes that means new photos. So I love ramping up my marketing in the you know first of the year, January. What do your photos say about you this year? When's the last time? How many years has it been since you've had your photos done? Is this going to be your year? You know, right. what does your marketing say about you? So January is often quite a busy month for me as well. Yeah, it was it was very interesting for sure. And and, and I kind of going back to the whole marketing process. If you're typically slow in January or February, which a lot of people are, I think putting in that effort in October and November will help pay off in January and February, because anything you do marketing related really has to take about two to three months to come to fruition. So yeah, there's strategic ways that you can make that a positive quarter as well. Yeah. And and also, if you have these slow months, think about what happens during those months that you can market to. Sue has this great video. Mm-hmm. It's a Mother's Day marketing campaign video and how to market to Mother's Day. But throughout the video, she talks about the different sort of hallmark holidays that we can utilize to market to. I mean, February, there's Valentine's Day. I'm trying to think of what happens in January. But again, you know, use that new year, new start. I mean, there's so many different things. If you can go through your last few years and see where you're slow and find a way to market during that time, or like you said, the few months prior to it, so that when you get to that month, you've got business. I mean, it's, there's really so much you can do all times of the year. Yeah. And if you photograph seniors, which I do, you know, you can play to the the notion that moms don't wait until April and March to do your seniors photos, because at that point, if they play sports, especially a spring sport like baseball, they're going to be completely inundated with games and graduation and prom and all the things that lead up to that. January and February are great months for senior portraits because they're typically slower for the students, but it's a great time for them to have those portraits done. Right. Well, in Houston. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> in the half the country. Yeah. <laughs> or in the studio. Yeah. The irony yeah, that's is, I'm true. Doing a very lot. true. Very yeah. true. 
I, I do a lot of senior portraits in the studio now because, again, you, you sell what you show, right? You attract what you show. And I'm showing a lot more studio work just because, you know, even in January, it can be warm. So you just never know. That's a great point. And I do do a lot of in studio as well. So that is a great point. Yeah. And now I'm thinking like, hmm, this is a good Facebook ad to say like parents don't wait until last minute. Don't let your favorite photographer get booked up. That could be a great sort of ad to run throughout the winter. Because like you said, sometimes they need to see it multiple times. And yeah, I love that. So Going back to just superpower and, you know, you had said that there are certain things that you're not great at, so you outsource. And I'm curious, what what do you attribute your success to? Because clearly you're doing a lot of things right. What is your superpower, I guess? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm very humble, so it's hard for me to answer that question. <laughs> but I think what I'm good at or what I'm experienced at doing is – working hard. You know, I have a very strong work ethic that I inherited from my parents, but also my ability to build relationships with people very quickly, I think has definitely been something that's helped me. And I attribute a lot of that to my previous career in recruiting, because again, I had a very short window to connect with a candidate to sell them about this job. And, and likewise with a hiring manager and talking to them about this amazing candidate. So being able to really connect with people quickly, I think is something that I've learned how to do that. It's a learned skill, but it's proven to been very successful and, and beneficial for me to have in this career. Yeah, that's awesome. I can tell that about you for sure. Oh, Yeah, I, I love that because it's like we can take our past career and find a way, even if we're so burned out from it, we don't enjoy it anymore. There's always skills that we've picked up along the way to help us with our business. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Well, the next segment this leads me to is the four questions that I ask everyone at the end of each episode. And I'm wondering if you will contribute. Sure. Absolutely. Ask away. Okay, Angie. So number one is what is something that you can't live without when you're shooting? That would definitely be my spider holster belt. I feel like that thing is my third arm. And when I'm not <laughs> wearing it, Especially in the studio, I never remember where I put my camera down. I have an assistant and he always laughs. He's like, I call that your Wonder Woman belt. <laughs> so I just thought it was a cute name for it. I love that thing. That's been the best camera's job I've ever owned because it, you know, it puts all the weight on your hips and I have back issues. So it's just been fantastic. I love that thing. Same. I can't shoot without mine. It's amazing. And you're not the first person to say that actually. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, good. that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, number two, how do you spend your time when you aren't photographing? So I spend a lot of time at the baseball field. My eldest son is a baseball player. Last couple of years, because he's been in college, we've been traveling to those games. So a lot of time on the road. But yeah, my husband and I just enjoy spending time together. We love to travel and we spend time together in the evenings. And you know, my youngest son's in high school, so we're going to you know, different activities that he's involved with. We have a dog that we love taking on walks. So we just really try and spend a lot of time together as a family. Awesome. I love it. And number three, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Oh, that's a good one. I would say nothing changes if nothing changes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I heard that several years ago and it's so simple, but it's so powerful and it applies to so many things in life. So it's just something that always sticks with me and I give that as advice to people too at times if I have a friend going through something and they're just scared. I'm like, you know, something has to change, right? Or nothing changes. So 
that's been a favorite quote of mine for a long time. I love that so much. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I feel like that goes back to like the core of how I feel in, in terms of if you're complaining about something and you're doing nothing to change it, you're not allowed to complain anymore. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're stuck, you got to change, right? Or nothing changes. So yeah, it's so it applies to so many things. Okay. Number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started with their photography career? I was asked that question last week by Maureen at Graphy, and I said, get out of your own way. And Sue also said that in her live the other day, and it made me chuckle because I thought, I think I learned it from Sue because it really is true. A lot of the obstacles that we have are self-inflicted. So if you can learn to get out of your own way, you can have success. You can go further. I think we, from fear, from self-doubt, I think we put those obstacles in our own way. So yeah, when people are just starting out, and, and I will have people message me from time to time and they'll ask me questions or how did you do this? I'm like, just do it. Don't be afraid. Just do it. Get out of your own way. Yeah, that's great advice. And I'm glad you said that for sure. All right. So what's next for you, Angie? Well, I want to keep growing. I want to grow my team. I'm, I've been talking to my husband about maybe even coming on board as a studio manager. So that might happen. I'm not sure. So we'll see. I want to host another workshop with my studio colleagues. We did one last year and had so much fun doing that. So we want to put that back on the calendar as a goal this year. I want to submit some work to WPPI. I think that would be a great challenge to push myself a little bit. Yeah, I just want to continue to grow as an artist and as a business person. Wonderful. I can't wait to watch you grow. I have no doubt that you will. Thank you. And where can people find you if they're looking for you online? Sure. So my website is super simple. It's my first name and my last name. So it's AngieLewis.com, A-N-G-I-L-E-W-I-S. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under Angie Lewis Photography. I want to reiterate that it's A-N-G-I. There's no E there. Correct. My mom is a Vicky without an E. And so when I was born, she named me Angie without an E. So I always have to spell it because inevitably, you know, people will put the E on there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing everything. I know I, you've inspired me quite a bit to look into these, this Facebook ad situation and hire it out. So I'll have to let you know how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know. And if you have questions or need me to give you some advice, if I can, you know, I'm more than happy to help do that. Yeah, I might actually make a little post in the Sue Rice Education Members Facebook group and ask you more details about that so other people can learn as well in the within the group because I do have several questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and this is a great time for people to work on things like that. You know, since we can't shoot and we can't be in the studio, what can we do? We'll work on Facebook ads. I mean, gosh, and that can definitely pay off big time. Yeah, exactly. All right, Angie. Well, thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. And I will see you online in the Facebook group soon. Sure. Thank you. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. All right. You take care. You too. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.